based in West Hollywood, this is Level Up. Welcome back to another episode of the Level Up Show. My name is Nicola. And I'm Candice, and this is the podcast that focuses on optimizing life from business to personal. Let's talk fitness. I feel like it's, we had an episode that was called Back to Business. We need to have an episode that's called Back to Fitness. We both know and that I could use that. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be your, well, let's do one-on-one, me and you. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, you can be so my guru. <laughs> I, I can be your guru. Okay, so what I wanted to say is like, before anything, I, you know, I believe in analytics. So I have that approach when it comes to fitness as well. So when it comes to fitness, before making any decisions to move forward with any exercise plan, any nutrition plan, anything, I really want to invite people to think about what made them relapse at the first place. And maybe using the word relapse sounds very dramatic or like too big for the occasion. But I really want people to think about like what made you, what triggered you to stop? Because if you don't almost like reverse engineer and realize what's always making you stop and have those fitness hiccups, why do you think it's going to be different this time around? I know in this episode, we discuss self-judgment and I won't get into that too much right now, but I feel like that step number one is maybe to not be so hard on yourself. Absolutely. Take a minute and just um, forgive yourself and make a little bit of room in your life just to look at this from a different angle. Because, you know, I see um, sometimes even criticism or when you get in a fight with somebody, like I see it as a feedback. So your relapse, your missed opportunities when it comes to fitness are actually good feedback. So see what really didn't work out for you and why. So for example, for me, I personally have this mantra, like I keep, I I used to make this mistake. Like I would do so well, I would be on a diet and then Friday comes and you go out and you have like a glass of wine and then somebody says like, should we order pizza for the table? And I would be like, of course. And then I would have pizza, then I would come home and I would eat ice cream. And then I would be like, oh, whatever. I ruined my diet. I might as well just eat bad till Monday. So that was one of the big things for me when I realized it's a difference between a cheat meal and cheat day or cheat weekend. And just because you relapsed one night doesn't mean you have to wait till Monday. You know, so for me, it's like, I feel like healthy life is a state. It's not a diet. And when it comes to like moving forward and actually empirically looking at your life and saying like, oh, I made all these mistakes and I I went too hard or like I was pushing it too hard. I should have like gradually incorporated this healthy elements into my life. Then you actually provide yourself with this incredible feedback. And maybe second advice would be, kind of cut the excuses because I feel like a lot of times people when it comes to fitness before you even start discussing their maybe fitness goals or what they do when it comes to like working out I don't know if you know there's this people usually start with like 
excuses. So they don't even tell you like, oh yeah, I like to run. Like I like to do Pilates. They say like, oh my God, I used to have six pack and I used to work out all the time. And then like, I got this very demanding job and I got in a relationship and like my boyfriend was really needy. So I had to spend all this time with him and I had a child and I had a dog and like what I moved and like my gym was too far. So I'm like, just cut the excuses. You're not lying to anyone but yourself. Because for me, it's like no skin from my back. Like if you <laughs> had a boyfriend that was asking for a lot of attention and you stopped working out, that does not change anything in my life. But making that unhealthy excuse is, is, is just almost like you are procrastinating. And everyone knows procrastination is a disease of execution. So you're never going to like actually move forward and execute your new fitness. So I think like literally like just cut the excuses. And then once you do all these steps, like once you go back and and clearly look at your life and see like what made you relapse in the first place. And like, even if you were, you know, just had like a horrible meal last night and it's a Tuesday, it doesn't mean you, now you have to eat badly till next Monday. And then you just kind of like grasp the concept of the healthy life uh, lifestyle and you cut those excuses. Now is the plan to really get to the fitness. So when it comes to like making a new plan, I would also encourage people not to go into extremes. So if you ate like very like protein heavy and like like eat a lot of meat, don't try to become a vegan overnight because that's not going to work out for you. That's so true. Like you said, with extremes, like I think it's important with fitness to like don't kill yourself. Keep it simple. Do what you can. And for me, like you mentioned about making it a lifestyle, you have to make it your own lifestyle. It doesn't have to be what other people perceive as a workout. You, you know, like the idea of when it's a stereotype in movies or a fitness person is just like ripped and like a cyclist or like they have all the branded items and they have everything. No, that like whatever workouts you actually enjoy, that's what you should be doing. So don't kill yourself. Keep it simple. Do what you can. Um, that's something I also like to preach is that it doesn't have to be that hour long workout. Do what you can for that day. Um, and, but don't make excuses about it. Like I could only do five minutes, you know, like, so, but even then you could do like X amount of push-ups, planks, like whatever you could do. Um, and also as a wise person once said, endorphins make you happy and happy people just don't kill their husbands. So working out is for the benefit of both you and your potential spouse. Um, and also just nobody has ever regretted a workout. Like every time I work out, I always look back and I'm like grateful for that workout. Like, I'm so glad I got that sweat. I feel better. I feel energized and my posture is always better too. So I feel like that's good. But also like for step one, for me, I think it's, you have to determine what is your motivation behind fitness? What is your goal? Do you want, is it for mental health? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to tone? And then come up with your own plan. Tell your friends, maybe you have friends who work out like you and create that group of accountability and have your friends hold you accountable for your workout. Check in with each other. What did you eat? What did you work out? And that I think definitely helps too, because you're motivated to want to 
make your friends happy too, I guess. But you know, you, you definitely want to help yourself and friends are great for support, but also make it a routine. I think they say like it's 21 days or something. Once you've done something, it becomes a routine. And I can speak to this too. Like after I've worked out for that X amount of days, I have to do it. I don't care what's going on that day. Like I have to get that workout in or it's going to bother me. And I think that's where if you don't, you start to not doing it at that point and starts to be the relapse, but you get to that point and you have to, it's like your body wants you to do it and you feel good about it. You know what I always say? I'm so sorry about the habits. I feel like you should also do them gradually. Like if you're forming fitness habits, just do one at a time. And like you said, it takes 21 days. So maybe start with like one fitness habit at a time and then slowly introduce more. Yeah. And then for me right now, what I'm trying to do as a habit is work out before I make dinner and before like pre-quarantine, I was working out in the morning before work, but now I like to wake up. Some people, you know, find out what time is best for you. Some people like to work out in the morning right away and get it over with. I find that I don't want to eat heavy before I work out. And I tend to have like a latte or something when I first wake up to, um, to, I guess, get me energized and started for the day. And I start immediately reviewing emails and get, getting on calls. So I like to get that work done. So it's not in my head when I'm working out. And then I like to set up a workout right before I start making dinner. So I haven't eaten anything too heavy, but for me too, I like to try something new right now. And whether that's going outside, getting some clarity, um, I, the other day, you know what I did, what you, I don't recommend for anyone. It's such intense work. I washed my car. Can you believe that? Oh my <laughs> God. Like, that's so funny. It was like 90 degrees outside and that I was dripping sweat, like drenched. And it was such a workout. Like I don't ever let me do that again. I don't know what I was thinking. But it's that's so actually hard. so fun. Like that's a great way to like getting an exercise it took me so long because i had to wash it like three times because it was such a dirty car but yeah i I just want to try something new and then what i actually did yesterday was i cleaned out my entire storage and it's just like things like that you can engage with your kids you can engage with your pets find a way to try something new and do something for yourself and that's what's so great like if it's new it's probably like very enticing and you want to learn and it's new and it's fun but you know what I wanted to say is like I actually like to work out in the morning and that's because I maybe this is because I'm such a crazy type a person but when I work out in the morning and I'm done with my workout by like 9 a.m. I feel so accomplished so by the time I actually move over with all of my other um, tasks I feel like already better. I'm already inspired. I already feel like I accomplished a lot. So I'm like, it's 9am. I got to work out in now nothing can stop me. I can be as productive as I can. So for me, it's like, that's literally like, and I'm like one of those people, like I get so much energy and satisfaction from working out. And if I worked out in the morning, you better believe it. I'm not going to cheat that day because I'm like, Oh, it's not worth it. Like that was such a hard workout. Like, there's no way I'm going to mess this up and, like, have, like, a burger or something, like, super unhealthy. That's a good point because I feel like when you do work out in the morning, it definitely sets the tone for the day. And I feel like sometimes that's where you're able to make 
more excuses throughout the day because you're dreading the inevitable workout. Yeah, and plus when you're social and when you're done, then you can go to dinner and like kind of like pace yourself. You're not going to have like six margaritas. You'll have like one drink and with a lot of water and you'll have like a salad. I love how you say six margaritas. I could, I would be on the floor. (laughs) Not me, but. (laughs) I could have three and I'm like already like, hey, what's up? (laughs) That's so funny. But I also wanted to talk, like I mentioned this in one of the episodes before, that I actually have this rule that's called 80-20. And that's like basically 80% of the time you eat well, and then you can cheat 20% of the time. That's like if you are maintaining, but if you're really trying to lose weight, I I spoke a little bit about cheat meals and cheat days. Just make sure that like you, you should have a cheat meal, but make sure it's a meal. Maybe do it like I sometimes like do it at like a last meal of my day. So that way I know that I have to go home and I drink some, like I like the activated charcoal or enzymes. You can get them at air one. And it helps you digest. And especially if you've been eating really healthy and now you have this like very heavy meal, it's going to be really hard for you to digest and also like sleep. So for me, it's like I always tell people like, just make sure it's a cheat meal, not a cheat day. Because sometimes like people say like, oh, today's my cheat day and they go so crazy. So basically all the hard work from like, five days or 10 days before you're going to cancel in this one day and it's not worth it. And then when you go and you hit the scale next day, you see you didn't lose any weight. It's like a vicious circle. And then people say like, Oh, I can't lose weight. This is not working out for me. I'm not even going to try. So that's like part of the problem. And also you're just not going to see results. I feel like we are the instant gratification generation But it's gradual. It's a gradual process. I know when I do those Pilates at home workouts right now, it's like, I remember in the first week I started seeing it in like my legs, you start seeing, you notice the differences, you you feel it. So it's a gradual process, allow it to be a process and just be grateful that you were able to work out and you'll, you will see results inevitably. I mean, it's, it's all about, I love how you said, like, you'll feel differently. And I can guarantee you, if you eat well for at least like two, three days and you're working out, maybe you're not going to see like results instantly, depending on your muscle memory and your previous fitness like state. Uh, but you will feel differently. I know like as soon as I go back on track and I start eating well, like I sleep better, my skin is better, my nails are better, everything is so much better. And I instantly feel it. It's almost like my body is like rewarding me with all this energy and I feel good. And it's like, please do more of this. (laughs) Then when you like go out and you maybe have like one too many drinks and like have like late night snacks, then you wake up next day. It's so hard for you even to work out. Yeah, you... You definitely start to feel it. You notice it in your skin. It's just eating well. It, they, it's such a science and it's so true that your diet will determine how you're going to feel and how you're going to also look. Your skin's going to get greasy. You're going to break out. Like There's so many deterrents, <laughs> yet we still do it because I feel like it's, all, although it's necessary, 
it's the balance and that's the whole life being a balance. I'm such a yeah. here I go. <laughs> no, I love that. And also, you know me, I go from like one extreme to it, to the other. So I am trying to be more balanced and I'm trying to say like, no, it's okay. Like I can have a piece of cake and not feel guilty about it. I can go and have like a slice of pizza and not feel guilty about it. But there's, you know what people say, there's time and place for everything. The same comes for cheat meals. So I think like you just have to like pre-plan. And that's the other thing I wanted to remind people because I feel like now a lot of people are working from home. A lot of people are staying home and self-quarantining and they're just sitting so bad. And they say like, oh, I know I'm home, but there's all these things I have to do. Like just because you are working from home doesn't mean like you can eat whatever you want. You can still meal prep. And I, I kind of wanted to re remind people to go back to maybe like meal prep two, three days a week, you know, because I get it. Like even working from home can be completely busy and you don't have time to cook and then you order something really bad off Postmates or something. So I feel like I really believe in like preparations. Yeah, they're saying that the quarantine 15 is a real thing. And it's similar to the freshman 15 where people are gaining weight because they're just home and they're baking and they're ordering out and it's they're just at home. So it's like no motivation to eat healthier. And I actually read an article by which state has gained the most weight. And that's really sad. But which state was it? I think it was New York, I want to say. No. <laughs> which is surprising, yeah. And you mentioned pre-planning and they say knowledge is power. So do your research. It will motivate you to either buy a pre-workout a pre that you're interested in. They have all the delicious flavors you can do. Or for my, I feel like my um, advice is always retail therapy for whatever we talk about. I'm always like, buy something, <laughs> but <laughs> buy a new workout set. Like that will motivate you. Buy there are things you can get like ankle weights or like de the deflated balls or stretch bands, like little at home, uh, what are they, I guess, tools. To Gadgets. Help you, yeah. Th things to help you work out and that, and just being excited to have something new will at least make you try it and hopefully get into that routine. When I know something so cute, the other day I was on a conference call with this gentleman and he was saying like, Oh, give me a second. We were, getting ready for the conference call. And he said, give me a second, I'm the, in the elevator. And I thought like maybe he was going home. So then he said like, oh, pardon the noise. He's like, I have this new thing. When I know I'm going to be on a conference call for like 30 to 45 minutes, he's like, I actually go for a walk. And he's like, I'm walking, I'm on my conference call. He's like, I can still access my notes on my phone. He's like, it really helps me a lot. He's older gentleman. And he was saying like, you know what, like I was really trying to get back into fitness and like then quarantine happened and I couldn't go to gym. And then I thought like, you know what, I spent all this time on the phone, just like brainstorming and talking about all these different marketing things. He's like, I can do this while walking. And I was thinking, I was like, what a brilliant idea. Because a lot of people do it on a treadmill. But like, if you do have like a conference call and you, you have like a trail or somewhere where it's not really noisy, you can totally go for a walk and have your conference call and still maybe take notes on your phone. 
I feel like that's such good advice. I know the other day I was on a conference call and I was definitely trying to just get some movement in because that's the opportunity to be hands-free. Even while you listen to a podcast, you can also do this. But um, I was trying to clean up my house while I was listening because I was just on mute and I I had to listen. But at the same time, you could be productive and multitask. No, totally. And I love to hear like when people reply, on Instagram and say like, oh, I was listening to Level Up show. Like I always do and when I go for a walk or a run. So I love that. And I always want to, I hope like whoever's listening to this show, you're on a walk right now. Yes, get your fitness and enjoy. Well, I had like a few more tips, but I also like believe in like not overwhelming people. So I'm like, whatever works for you, figure it out and take it like piece by piece and make it your own. I love what you said. Like it's your lifestyle and that's like beginning and the end. This is for you. You have to find it. Why realize why are you like, for example, like me and you, we, we might both want to lose five pounds, but our driving force behind it and reasoning can be completely different. So just kind of like a lot of people have kids and, I've talked to some people lately and they say like, I want to do this for my child. But I feel like even if, if you're doing it for your child, you're still doing it for somebody else. You have to find it in you, like the reason why you really want to do this. And I can identify with this as somebody who was in modeling pretty much my whole life. Like so many times, like I had to lose weight for a job or like I was switching markets and I, I had to like drop weight to fit into certain market. And then I was going for more like runway jobs. So I had to be leaner and like drop like 15 to 20 pounds per season. And it, it's just like, and it was always doing it for somebody else. So once I like started actually getting into fitness and doing this for my own, I felt like so liberating and it's so, so crazy that like so late in my life, I'm actually doing this for myself. And that's why I feel like I'm very consistent with it because I finally am doing it for myself, not for anyone else. Good for you. Yeah, for sure. And for the listeners, let us know what you're doing. Write in, let us know. Write in like it's 1980. (laughs) DM us, let us know what you're doing. But (laughs) I'm so excited. We have a really good episode to share with you. In this episode, we interview Jonathan Roberts. His long resume includes fitness trainer, physical therapist, and strength training coach. He is the co-founder of Evolve United, a platform that offers virtual and in-community fitness classes to help meet your fitness goals. He gives great tips on at-home fitness, physical therapy, and even startup tips. So without further ado, here's Jonathan. As a, as a 16 year old, I wanted to learn how to increase my vertical jump and I decreased it by six inches, which obviously should not happen. That was the big thing that got me into fitness because at the time my goal was to go play college basketball. Um, that fast forwards me to around 18, 19 years old. My goal at the time was to go ahead and be an NBA strength coach. So For general public, the way I describe it is personal trainers are who you would see in an average gym, but a strength coach is someone who has to kind of combine elements of physical therapy with elements of personal training for athletes, and it's a whole different ballgame. 
And that was the entire path I took through college was to ultimately do everything necessary to go be an NBA strength coach. Um, I can get to the story a bit more during the interview, but essentially I got into the grad schools I wanted to get into, but I was denied um, my assistantships for two very, very interesting reasons. And so after that, uh, I held off on grad school and took a failed business um, out of college. And then from there, uh, started again and moved 26 hours across the country with my other co-founder to found Evolve United. And essentially, we found a target market with bringing fitness to apartments. But for me personally, coming from the fitness background, the whole summary of my mission with it is a lot of people do things in very greedy, um, unethical, but also just un, un, unsupportive ways in the fitness industry. And I figured might as well create a, create a new system that changes that so you actually can create change from the inside out. Uh, far easier said than done, but that's what makes it enjoyable. And that is, that is the short summary of how Jonathan Roberts came to uh, learn fitness and then co-found Evolve United. Excellent. Do you remember or what was like the moment that clicked in identifying Evolve United as a need for the consumer? So uh, August, August 16th is when we technically founded. And at the time we were actually going to take fitness classes outside to parks and such but that puts you into some issues with weather and especially being in a city like Denver you can imagine a few different issues that may or may arise so we had actually done some research and saw a lot of data pointing to the fitness industry and boutique studios on the rise and we saw all these different apartments building yoga studios but not offering classes so that's where the opportunity, like the actual, we actually saw the opportunity to make a business that could utilize those spaces. Um, and then that, that's where like the first, first minimum viable product, if you want to use startup terms, actually. Yeah. Great. Um, what was your biggest challenge with um, starting the business? Uh, I guess, okay, so for, I'll actually go, go for one that like hits for the fences. My greatest challenge starting this was learning how to sell despite having a background of social anxiety. That was a nightmare and 100% would be unrecommended for every single person. But <laughs> on the positive side, after going through it, it, I mean, it taught me a ton. So I would say that was actually my hardest, hardest struggle was, I mean, like to put it into context, I basically had three panic attacks while cold calling. Um, but it was kind of that type of deal of, if I don't learn this, this will not work. It's option A or option B. And it just was like, that was that key moment of option A is not an option. So we got to figure out how to make this happen. I would say for me personally, that was the hardest, hardest thing. You know what? My advice is always for people as somebody who's like in marketing and public relations, because you're not alone. A lot of people say like when they start business and they just start like introducing their business to potential like buyers or potential public, they have this like crazy anxiety attacks and like a lot of self doubt. I always tell them like, go back to your brand. Like, you know, it's like, talk about your company culture, like make it as friendly as possible. Just like talk about everything that you know and come from a place of certainty. And I think like sometimes like 
I, I talk a lot with people and I get a lot of sales calls. And then sometimes like some people are just too good of a sales people. So it kind of turns into almost like a used card salesman mentality. So I always tell people it's okay even if you make a mistake or you're nervous, as long as you're really like standing into your convincing conviction and really believe in your brand that's all it takes you know and it's it you don't have to like perfect your pitch and if it's your first call I even tell people like just tell them be like you know what I just started like we we just started business and you're one of the first people we're reaching out and people appreciate that like I know I always do and I'm always like very gentle and very like friendly with people especially if they're honest and if, if they say like you know it's like we just started this company like we're figuring everything out like we're looking for like ad space or something I like really handle that with care so anyone that's in a similar position that's like my advice for it yeah I, I love that too I think like one of the things is even in movies and tv you always see people dramatic like dramatize as much as rationally possible and so if you're watching a sales movie Either you're going to have someone be a complete jerk in the movie or someone be completely nice, but usually it's going to be an extremely dramatic version of someone who's just a complete jerk. And the reality is that's actually not even what happens more often than not. It's so true. Like we can get into the science about like the different generations and how they respond to advertising and sales. And they find with Gen Z and then also millennial that we don't like to be lied to. We don't like the BS. We like the straight up, the relatability. So if you're just like honest with them, they're actually going to be very nice and very welcoming yeah. to you. And also this is the generation of educated consumer. So a lot of times when you're trying to sell something to somebody, they probably already have like substantial knowledge about certain topics so sometimes like people just talk to you as if you you're a complete idiot and that's like completely wrong right from the bat and and you just don't build a good like sales report and i think the same comes for fitness because i came to classes before and like i had private trainers and they would just treat me as if like I'm seven and I'm in like a gym class. So for me, it's like I love that approach when somebody just compliments the knowledge I have versus of like just treating me like an idiot. Yeah. And I mean, also look to it, but like how much training is going into the people who are being put in front of you? And that's, that's at least my philosophy is if fitness is something that is actually made to change lives, do it do it to change a life don't be on your phone or just like giving someone a 30 dollars an hour session if they're paying you 80 per hour and i don't know i i don't just don't understand where that happens and comes from and i guess it comes back honestly to that root of uh to laziness i mean it is easier if you have to do an hour and you're getting paid the same it is easier to do less work but it's also less fulfilling and I mean, that's so true. I definitely worked with people in the past when I feel like they spent half of my training just taking videos of me and posting on their Instagram. Or like explaining too. Yeah. Versus of me like actually like correcting me and like pushing me. So for me is like, I love social media and everyone knows that. But like when it comes to training, I really loved it like one-on-one -on -one because I'm like one of those people like, 
I struggle with form. So for me, it's like, that's one of the reasons why I actually love one-on-one working with a trainer because then my form is not compromised. I can actually like get better results because I'm performing the way it's supposed to. And whenever you had your sessions, do you remember anything specific about that trainer? And it was like, this one thing you love that they did, but one thing that they re- you really, really disliked that they did? Yes. Um, what I really love is that one-on-one, and I love, like, I'm very stubborn. Like, if you tell me to do, like, 100 of something, trust yeah. me, I will do 100, or I'll, I'll die. So for me, <laughs> it's like, I love when somebody really is pushing me, but what I don't like is, like, just, like, somebody who's not focused, or, like, for example, like when somebody says like, oh, this is my next client. Let me just take this call for a second, you know? So it's like, I like that like one-on-one experience because you are paying for this time and you want the best results. And I'm like one of those clients, I'm very result oriented and um, I'm just not very forgiving. I think, so one of the interesting things is, I mean, just with any business at all, I know you guys will have the same thing. You never market to your competitor's weakness, you market to your strengths, but it's also a bit of a paradox because your potential clients don't even understand your competitor's weakness. And so, I mean, if you were just to look at fitness franchise A, fitness franchise B, and fitness franchise A does 10% of what fitness franchise B, franchise B does for their, for their training, it's so difficult and it's one of those things in business that's so odd. It, you kind of know that you're going to lose people to a competitor just because it's you're taking the quote unquote bigger person approach in marketing, which gives you growth long, long term, <laughs> but you have to sacrifice people before you get that momentum built. And it's, it's just like a weird, uh, a weird thing to be okay with and grasp. I don't know how you guys are with that. 100%. Like I, I agree with you. I think that's a long term game, which is actually better for your business, yeah. but for you and your business, you have the benefit that people don't even have to leave their home. (laughs) They could just stay at their business or stay at their apartment. It doesn't obstruct their schedule too much. So can you talk about a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, uh, and Nicola, was there something you were saying? No, I wanted to say is like, I'm loving this like fitness on demand culture. Yeah. So basically, basically the way I sum it up for people is, for, for the group classes, it, it makes sense, but long-term, the, the easy way to grasp it is Ubering the personal training industry. So what we're doing with bringing the on-site wellness to communities, it just makes sense. If you have an apartment that has these two fitness classes in a week, and you have a yoga one, and then you have a, like one of ours is chisel and burn, which is a bit more of resistance training mixed with um, hit as well then you're able to market to two different demographics. And so from the apartment side, that's what made sense. And the difficult thing for us was how can we have a fitness marketing appeal, but also relay that to what these apartments need to see. And so that's what's so convenient is you have the two different styles of either the yoga or the group fitness, but then you have that convenience element. And so whenever a person is wanting to rent an apartment, they're also getting a lifestyle rather than just a unit to live in. And if you really want to talk about systemic issues, one of the things in the United States that we're very, very poor with is actually having community. Like look at South American cultures, 
look at European cultures. Uh, my family's Italian. And then look at United States culture. And yeah, this is my- much, much better than North Carolina where I came from. But so many people are so uh, like apprehensive to actually connect. And so that's where that tagline comes in too of connect individuals, create community, is that you can bond people through exercise. It gives them a reason to get out their door. And a lot of people just don't feel comfortable saying hi, but if it's been 60 minutes and you're dead tired, you really don't care about saying hi to a stranger. And then that's where you like actually begin to meet your neighbors. That's true. Yeah, I was gonna say my mom's actually from Ecuador. So (laughs) my family in South America, they're all very close, almost too much with the community. Yeah, (laughs) one of my best friends is Ecuadorian. She's one of I had the conversation as well. It's just like, I've seen her family and Mm -hmm. yeah. We're probably related. Yeah, like (laughs) in-person gatherings. But in the United States, it just, it's, it's not as common. And then, I mean, through the app too is where we have, people can get on-site personal trainer, uh, and then get in-home massage and things of that nature. And then we actually kick those profits back to the people we partner with too. And it, it does come back to just figuring out like, how does everyone win? Um, Kerwin, Kerwin Ray is actually someone who just had a post about this on LinkedIn. And he was, was talking about someone who was asking about like struggling for sales during COVID. And it came back to that thing. If you are actually doing something that helps you win and someone else win, it's, like it's a no-brainer and it's just hard to get that um get that through to people uh just because there's a lot of a lot of stuff you have to chop down um and just insincere branding and uh and marketing i love that philosophy but to get down to the brass tacks you mentioned earlier that your strength training also expertise also it allows you to provide physical therapy and that really, I, that really interests me. Is there something that you have for listeners that they could do at home on their own, like any kind of physical therapy tips, um, at, maybe after working out or one of these classes? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is actually funny. I, um, I, did a, I did an interview with the Nuggets uh, strength coach and someone submitted this question, like what physical therapy advice would you have? And his is the same you'll get from anyone in the profession of see professional first. And in reality, yeah, that makes sense. But also, too, you got to be a little practical at times. And so mm-hmm. what I would say is if someone has a crazy injury, yeah, get to a doctor ASAP. What <laughs> I would say, though, is from a PT standpoint, we live in a very uh, sitting dominant culture. So your hip flexors are always going to be tight and your hips are more than likely going to be tight. So what I would suggest to people is this. When you train your abs actually put a focus on feeling it in the lower third of your abs so from your belly button down by doing that you're going to quote unquote wake up those muscles that actually are put to sleep from sitting so that would be one kind of quote unquote physical therapy-esque tip i would have and the second would be stretch your hips if you do not stretch your hips they are going to pull so many other things tight and so just by simply having your hips stretched, that will help you tremendously. And if you, like people always ask, like, how do I know if it's too tight? If you think it is, stretch it until you feel like it's not. Is a really, really good like layman's term uh, cue that I would use for people. Great so advice. Stretch hips and work the lower third of the abs for sure. You know what I wanted to ask you because, um, 
let's talk about people that are actually trying to get back into fitness. I feel like there are so many people and no judgment, like everyone responded different when it comes to quarantine and some people just didn't work out. So what would be your tips for somebody who's in the quarantine, took a little break, is now like really want to get back into fitness. So what would be your tip for somebody who's trying to get back into the fitness game after taking a little break and maybe like eating bad and like not moving a lot? Man, I, I'm so happy you asked that. Honestly, the, the number one thing would be this, set a reminder in your phone like five minutes before you go to bed to do a five minute meditation of removing self-judgment. That is it. Every I love that. Time, and it's like, you don't even start with the physical side of it because it's all mental. And we hear the same thing, but so many people become their worst enemies because they start judging themselves. And when you start, like I had a client who had who was 297 pounds when we started. She was a single mom, two kids, like providing, super impressive. And her issue was negative self-judgment. And so she would eat and, or she would lose 10 pounds and then she would get it back. And she was stress eating because of judgment and stress. And then the cycle would continue. And then finally she broke the cycle because her quote unquote therapy was no longer in food and it was something else. And so I would say that's honestly the biggest thing. Remove your self judgment and just focus on the first step. Like do it really, three days a week. Yeah. No, I like that. And sometimes like I love the the we have to forgive ourselves for the lack of practice and just go in it like with a clear mind. So that's a, actually such a good advice. And I'll definitely share it with my following um, as well. I love what you just said. Well, though you guys have, I mean, everything is, is about leveling up and growing. And for mm-hmm. you to win your own personal journeys, I guarantee you wouldn't be half as far as you were if you, if you let your self-judgment like, prevent you from taking the next step. 100%. And especially when it comes to fitness, it's like, I feel like I have to do the hour class. Like I can't just do if I only have the 15 minutes a day work on that. But do you have advice of how much time is a good time to work out? And maybe how many days per week? Or is it different for everyone? It will be different from everyone. But here would be a key principle is just look at it week by week. So what I've always told people is, just say, hey, Siri, set a reminder every Friday at 12 p.m. What's one thing to do more of or one thing to do less of from last week? And just start with that. And then you'll begin finding the frequency you need from it. So for example, if you were to say my goal this week is just 20 minutes of something Tuesday and Thursday, and then you get to Friday and you're like, hmm, what should I do more of? Maybe your answer is you're just going to try to add a third day of 20 minutes, or maybe your answer is going to be, I can't add more stress, but those like two bottles of wine that I drink every night, I'll down it to just one bottle of wine every night. But that just begins you on that process of actually being aware. Uh, So start small, start small and just stay aware. And we all know what the right things to do are more often than not. It's just a matter of building up that confidence and losing that self-judgment. So we actually take those steps. Great advice for sure. Yeah, thanks. That actually happened with someone. Um, they were having a bottle of wine every night for like 15 years. And I told them, just start with a half bottle this week and then figure out what you want to do. And then after like three weeks, this habit she had for 15 years was gone out of nowhere. And it wasn't rocket science. Like anyone, anyone could come up with that. Uh, it's just a matter of sticking to it, really. 
I know. I feel like we're so like that cold turkey mentality. And sometimes people say like, starting tomorrow, I'm going on this very strict diet. And we talked about this in the past on the Level Up show. I always feel like anything that's very extreme is not going to work for you. So you have to like kind of like ease yourself into it. And then even if you're planning to go back to the gym, like just start like a little by little, like start walking, start moving, start dancing. And then like with time, you're just going to have more stamina and you're going to just perform better. I have a, I have a question for both of you because you both have different, you have, you have influences you can pull from outside of the U.S. How much do you see the United States culture of being like type A um, how much do you see that having an issue and people just getting started when it comes to things like fitness compared to the other cultures that you guys have experienced? Um, I would say for me, I think we, well, we're also a different culture cause we're a subculture of West Hollywood. So it's like a huge fitness culture here and it's like extreme and we talked about this and uh, about two episodes ago but it's like down to like where you wear fitness as your outfits for the day but culturally i find in other you, you know I, it might be different for me but my family they're more um in terms of their fitness level they're more they're just outside more yeah. and they work less so i would say they swim a lot more and um, their diet's definitely a lot healthier. They're just healthier people, except for the smoking. They still smoke. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which but, is hilarious uh, because like, it's common in Europe, too, and people get mad. They're like, how are these people so skinny? And like, yes. no, they're living great lives, and they're smoking cigarettes. They yeah. must be doing something right. They eat fish, but then they like drink and smoke until the day they die. Oh, yeah, so, 100%, but they, like, they live it up, too. One, oh, the dancing, like we, my family parties were like dancing for three days straight for a wedding. So it's just like, yeah, I would say it's just a different type of exercise. It definitely is more with the family and the community. And there it's, it's not like they set the time at 6am where they're going to run a couple miles. They're more just going to be active throughout the day where we have our set schedule and we are the type A of, I have to work at this time. I have to, it's like military. I have to do my workout this time. I have to eat this much. And it's just a lot more structured. It might put more uh, stress on us. And maybe you could speak on that, but that's from my experience, my family. And, okay. Why, why are 23andMe and all these big genetic tests as big as they are in the United States? It's because I, in my eyes, the theory is we, everyone wonders where they come from and such, right? And in the United States, a lot of us don't know where we come from. And as a country, we're so young that we still have to find our identity. And something that always comes back to me is like the difference between American sports, so like NFL and NBA, compared to basketball over in Europe and soccer over in Europe. And you start looking like into a cultural level and there's actually similarities of the culture to the game. Like I have a, I have a friend who played, uh, played college soccer and such, and he explained it to me, and he was like, German soccer is actually technical, just like the language. Italian soccer, Brazilian soccer is actually very fluid, um, just like the lifestyle of the people that live there. And that all ties together, because in the United States, I it feels like we have such this, like our personality, and it's something that a lot of influencers speak about trying to break, but our personality and our worth is tied into a comma in the bank account a lot of times 
rather than just like living life for fulfillment. And I think that puts a lot of these pressures on people even more of like, well, now my personality has to be attached to the like six pack abs I have and such. But in Europe, they're just worried about doing what fits them. And same in South America, I feel like by and large uh, would be the caveat to that. So I just think that's an interesting, an interesting cultural difference. And I'm happy that you guys have like, international influences to pull from too. And I definitely do agree with you that West Hollywood is probably going to be a bit of an anomaly <laughs> in this whole conversation. It's so extreme here. It's wild. It's just like, and this, we've talked about this, the different groups and like everyone identifies with their clique, depending on which gym they go to or which workout. And it's, it, it is a different world. And it's good because it keeps consistency, but it also can be negative because you can have someone who identifies with like a cardio heavy group, but that cardio heavy group may actually have metabolic damage Mm -hmm. by being too cardio heavy. Yes. Yeah. That's why I love like, um, you know, doing, switching it up. I think that's like the best way you switch up your workouts. You're not supposed to strain one muscle too much. It's not going to be leg day every day. So yeah, I would, I would agree on that. I don't even know how we got into the whole entire rant about uh, (laughs) other cultures and everything, but I love it. That's one of my favorite things. Just looking, looking outside of the borders of the United States, like eating fish for breakfast can be a great thing. It's just, it's uncommon here. And there's a lot of good things to learn from other cultures. It's so true. Like in my Ecuadorian side, like they start off with like a coffee and maybe like a cheese or a bread or something, but it's not like they're going to start off with pancakes and eggs and bacon. The, the different cultures in the different countries, it's just like a study on its own. But I wanted to talk about Evolve United. And do you see like during this car- kind of crazy time, do you have any idea of what the future looks like? Yeah, so um, do you think fitness industry as a whole or like evolves direction? Yeah, the direction and what they're going to do with the fitness industry. How I mean, you're definitely ahead of the game with it being community-oriented community and virtual. So um, where so, do you see that going? So obviously one of the big concerns you're looking at in the fitness industry is just the lack of honestly trust that and trust coming to safety. So that's going to shake things up even more to where it gives us the opportunity to actually begin. um, I I try to stay away from fear, uncertainty, doubt, that sales tactic as much as possible. So I just want to preface this statement with that. Um, But I do see the huge opportunity that residents that are looking for a place to live are not going to want to go to box gyms like they did a year ago for obvious reasons and so that gives us an opportunity in the group class op in the group class vertical because if these communities already have the space and then we can bring the classes to them and then we provide the marketing materials when residents are doing these tours because we're such a novice like we're such a new new industry a resident's taking this tour just like they would with any other apartment but then they hit the gym and they see these flyers and the leasing agent starts talking about all that's there with the app and all the services that are provided. It's going to have a huge marketing appeal. Just that's a fact. So that's one huge opportunity that we have. Um, the other thing that I'm just very, very excited about is we had so much downtime. So in that downtime, it was awful from a growth standpoint, but it was amazing from a quality standpoint. So in that downtime, we just took a lot of uh, time to plan and improve education systems, the way our app looks, a lot of aesthetic and branding and things of that nature. Um, so 
I think that's a long-winded way of answering the question of I'm super excited for the group fitness small atmosphere and putting that into apartments but I'm also very excited to continue the same thing we were doing a year ago just educating people on why it makes so much more sense to get personal training just like you would in a gym but instead of driving you're just walking a few steps down to your gym at your apartment and it's just a part of uh, a perk of you living there no i loved it and i see a lot of added value in the whole process i wanted to ask you what would be your mind body and soul tip for our listeners um man i would have a few but i would say the one from earlier about the self-judgment would be a big big one just remove self-judgment because it's only going to block you the other one would be when you when you are setting a goal at least ask yourself and then what so um that I, I say that because a lot of times when people look at a goal if your goal is to get like let's use an extreme example if your goal is to get a lamborghini by the age of 30 okay and then what <laughs> maybe like may, there's a great example i love there's an nba player who bought a pair of shoes for like six thousand dollars if, if they were growing up in high school and told their teacher, my goal is to buy this pair of shoes, their teacher would call them an idiot. But if their teacher realized that that guy's goal was to buy that pair of shoes because he worked for 15 years to ha- be able to do that, well, then that's a great goal. Be- so that's why I say it is whenever you set a goal, just ask yourself, like, what's that feeling that achieving that goal is going to get you? Because if it's fitness and it may be how your body looks in the mirror and that gives you self-esteem, do it. But if you're making yourself try to look a certain way in the mirror for someone else, that should not be the goal. It may be down the line, but that's indicative that there may be something internal that sh- that could be the goal instead. So in summary, try to remove self-judgment and just if you're setting a goal, ask yourself, and then what? 100%. I actually have a book recommendation for you. Maybe you already read this book. It's called Judgment Detox by Gabrielle Bernstein. What? No, I have not heard about this. Please do share. Yes, I'll share it with you. It's a very hands-on book and it's so beautiful. And I actually read that book two times. First time I read it, like I think like two years ago when it just came out and then I read it just before the quarantine and it was it's it's so amazing everyone knows I'm a big fan of Gabby Bernstein and her work but this is definitely a book like you will enjoy it and it's great maybe like to recommend it to your clients as well yeah I love that and before I forget it reminded me of something that came up 10 minutes ago I just wanted to point out too like your guys name of your show is level up And just for the people that listen, there's like, that doesn't get you to a certain level because you can just always keep going up. And I love, I love just as the name, what that you guys picked it because it does allude to the fact that it's always a process to keep improving. So thanks for the message you guys are getting out too. Thank you for listening to the Level Up Show. Please subscribe and review. We're on Spotify and iTunes. And also follow us on Instagram at the Level Up Show.